everyone. Welcome back to the State of Demand Gen podcast. On this episode, I asked Chris a handful of questions we had submitted on the Refine Labs LinkedIn page. Hope you enjoy. Now to this episode. From Refine Labs, this is State of Demand Gen. From Luis, we are a company with three established products that are related but can mostly stand on their own. How do we get clients to be aware of our entire offering when they will only know us for one? To try and figure out why they only know you for one. They probably only know you for one because you haven't done proper marketing for them to know anything else. This is a a lot of companies do this. There are large Series D companies, $100 million raised, that people know what they do. They know what category they're in. But they don't know any of the details about the product. They don't know any of the features. There's plenty of marketers that, and there's plenty of Martech that you know the brand. You can connect it to some idea of what they do, but you have no real inner inner knowledge of the details of the platform. And that's the gap that most companies have because they don't actively communicate those details to the market in a way to create demand. And so the way that you get people to know about that your product has three products instead of just one is to figure out what am I trying to communicate? How am I going to communicate it to people? And then go out and figure out how to do it. Um, The easiest way would be to use uh, paid social ads to educate people in a non-direct response way. There's other ways that you can do it that are, um, would take longer, but could be highly effective, like a podcast, live events, a community, organic social. There's plenty of ways to get it done. Given the shortcomings and pitfalls regarding the over-reliance on attribution software to draw accurate insights to inform strategy, would we as marketers be better off scrapping attribution software altogether and rather focus solely on qualitative customer feedback? I think that extremely advanced marketers could go without attribution software, but generally I think that companies should continue to use it because attribution software is going to help you figure out what captured the demand. So there's a use case for it for like advanced marketers. People know, like I know how people enter in to convert into pipeline. And so the attribution software tells me things that I already know that I don't, doesn't add a ton of value, but for a lot of people, they'll want to use it. And so using attribution software to measure what captured the demand and how people entered your pipeline is going to give you a ton of insights into what are the most effective place, what are the most effective ways for buyers to enter our pipeline so that they have the highest sales velocity. And so I think that com- companies should continue to use that and then add on the additional layers that we've talked about on this podcast before, which would be self-reported attribution, qualitative market research, win-loss analysis, large-scale market research, quantitative surveys, things like that to have another level of, th- of data about how people are discovering, researching, and buying, and then combining that data together. Uh, more of a career and marketing question, but what are the things you should focus on to move from a marketing associate to manager to director to VP to CMO? I know it varies by industry, but any general advice? A couple of general advice things here, things that I've done myself. Um, So step one is to think about what you can do outside of work to learn. Um, I've recommended starting an e-commerce company, but you could start a podcast, a organic like content channel, a community, 
an e-commerce company, any of these things that help you build skills that you need to do in marketing, then a lot of B2B companies wouldn't let you do enough. And so you can learn that on the side, on your own, and then once you have it working, then you can bring it into a B2B company that has more resources that you can actually go and let it work. So step one is don't rely on your company to give you all of the opportunities to learn. Go and figure out what those are, and there's plenty of ways to learn on your own. Um, learn, by, learn by doing at that. The next one that I would say is to elevate the way that you're looking at the business. And so a lot of marketing associates or whoever, it doesn't really matter across the board, marketers only look at marketing. And when you start to expand and you start to look at it as marketing and product and operations and customer success and finance, then you get to see a much broader view of how the business actually works. And I think that's how you really grow in your career um, quickly in marketing is by understanding the business, not just marketing and adding business value across the entire set. What resources, print, digital, social, personal, other, should marketers use to stay up to date with and anticipate the future of marketing? You stay up to date with, the, with and anticipate what is happening in the future of marketing because you actually do it. There's not a resource or a book or something like that. Like the way that you get the learnings, if you want to be the best, is by actually going in there and doing it and discovering things that nobody else has discovered. I'm amazed at how many, how few people actually go in and try things. All they do is read blogs and listen to information and look at communities and LinkedIn posts and then just do whatever they're told. But all of the value and the insights is understanding the mechanics of why these things are happening so that you can then develop insights that nobody else has. How do you test ads and decide which ones to keep or kill? Since consumption is the objective, are you looking at video views, view rates, and costs per view? So for vi for videos, yes, you can look at engagement metrics, but over time I've stopped like, yes, there are ways that you can look and be like, these ones are significantly underperforming, let's cut them. These are significantly overperforming, let's invest more in them. There are obvious optimizations to make when you have a bunch of creative. But the interesting thing that I've been, no that I've been leaning toward lately is because like you're not looking direct response, you're trying to get a message across, just let the message run. Um, so I'm going more after like, are we hitting our available audience with this message for a specific frequency? And then after that point, just cut it off. I think that people, because of A-B testing and all this stuff, try and narrow it down and look at the value of one individual piece of creative when everybody knows as a buyer that it's actually the accumulation of tons of touch points that make a difference, not one piece of content on its own. And so I think that marketers need to abandon that, um, that type of mindset and start focusing more on how do we tell a long, complete story over a long period of time rather than analyzing the success of one piece of content against another. I don't look at any of my LinkedIn posts and be like, wow, that one was so much better than that one. You know what I mean? And so I think that there's the same mindset applies in paid social too. So a follow-up to that would be, what type of ads are you running across the buyer journey? What are the rules you use to remove or add audiences to custom lists to match their journey? Do you sync audiences across platforms? That might be too tactical. Yeah, there's, there's like 
10 questions in there. So what about like what type of ads are you running across the buyer journey? People make a ton of mistakes about thinking that they understand where people are in the buyer journey because they have intent data or they have a retargeting or whatever other tech stuff that they have that they just use data that's probably inaccurate and flawed to make assumptions about where somebody is in their buyer journey to give them a specific piece of content. The root of it is that the date, the original data is not accurate, which leads you to think building this like complex system that is not accurate. So um, the second piece to consider is that a buyer journey doesn't happen in one place. And so like trying to move someone through a buyer journey on LinkedIn, when a real buyer journey happens in a bunch of different channels and places, right? So when people are in certain stages, they go to certain places to accomplish certain tasks in the buying journey. And so the idea of using social to complete the whole thing, I think is just wrong. Um, and so if you acknowledge that stuff and you lean into it, then the way to look at social is that I want paid social to be the trigger for somebody to go out and ask a question in a community or go and talk, bring it up in their next meeting with executives or to do these types of things. It's the spark that moves someone into another place where the real buying journey happens. Um, and so that's how we use social. There's a ton of things that you can communicate, right? But at like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, it's all about what are we trying to get people to know? How do we package that in a way so that they, once they see the content, that they know it. This one I know you've talked about before. Where to start with building a B2B marketing team in terms of priority number one and number two hires? Um, this is totally dependent on the situation in the company. Um, but generally, like I think that the first two hires should be product marketing and then demand. How can I know where my podcast listenership follower metrics stand for my niche? No benchmark reports that I can find. Um, this is not the main goal, but I would like to know if the podcast is doing okay or if it's below the average. I think to sum this up, how do you know that state of demand gen is working? We know that there are a few metrics that we look at over time, but the analytics are definitely scarce. So how do you know that it's working? The take home here is to stop be, stop looking for analytics to feel safe about things and start leaning into qualitative insights. And if you understand your audience well, you can feel that it's working. Um, and it's happened like um, definitely this will be the second time in my uh, in my career when doing marketing, whether it's through organic or paid, the first time it was with mainly paid, this time it's with mainly organic, that you can feel the momentum, the impact, the feedback, because it's always there. I don't need an, a report to tell me that it's working. I don't need to know whether the listeners are growing because it's obvious, it's clear. More people are sending you messages. More people are saying those things. More people are sharing it. More people are commenting. More people are liking the LinkedIn content. It's just obvious. And so if you're looking for the reports, you're either not in the details enough with your customers to see these insights or the podcast isn't working. A lot of people that are looking for reports are looking for reports to justify what they're doing because it's not working. How do you meaningfully analyze data and your CRM to draw out insights that inform strategy? What is the process or what are the steps? This one's gonna be pretty challenging without like a screen share and some documentation, but generally what I'm looking for is where is the pipeline coming from? How is the pipeline progressing? What is the pipeline velocity metrics from deal opening to close one? 
win rates, sales cycle lengths, average deal sizes, number of opportunities that are being generated, and from which sources. And then once you start to see the sources of pipeline that are best converting, then you start to adjust your strategy to say, okay, we're going to stop trying to get pipeline from these places that generate pipeline that doesn't close, or pipeline that takes twice as long to win, or pipeline that we win way less than other sources. And I'm going to start focusing my marketing or my go-to-market strategy on driving pipeline through these places. Um, and that's basically the the way that I look at the CRM. The other play, the other ways and things to use it for is to look for inefficiencies or or problems in the system. So like maybe some type of conversion rate drops from one month to another because of something. Then you have to to go a flag to go investigate. And the last one would be to forecast to try and create a predictable forecast model to know. If we have this much put in this stage, how much are we going to win? What would be the customer acquisition cost? So in a sales-led motion, you can forecast that out and make decisions much faster. Megan asked, or she said, I'm working out the potential impact of my plan for next year and attempting to articulate that to my boss and CFO. This is challenging because I'm taking your advice, Chris. (laughs) We're not going to be leveraging paid social in the same way we're not going to be overly reliant on paid search. So I have no benchmarks for success to draw from. So in summary, um, for someone following what you've been recommending for 2022, how do they articulate that up to uh, the exec team? Look at the performance that you've had on Python. So to clarify, it's not just like blindly cut out all of this stuff it's analyze the details of them and then cut out all of the waste, which for a lot of companies is a majority of the spend. So on paid search, it may be not do, cut all of it. It might be just cutting the budget from 100K a month to 20K a month and cutting out the 80K that's being wasted to collect leads that don't close. Same thing goes for LinkedIn, but if you're running lead gen, then it's gonna be ineffective and unproductive for the most part. And so, the first step is analyze each of the individual channels to figure out what are the things that are working and what are the things that are not working and then just cut out the things that aren't working. From there, look at the pipeline that's produced through all of marketing source channels. So that could be lead gen, that could be through your website, through a GIF chat, whatever. Then you have how much pipeline, qualified pipeline, that's gonna win at more than 25% is being produced by marketing each quarter. And then look at that over the past six quarters. Is it growing? Is it declining? Is it volatile? Is it stable? Then you have a sense of what's going on there. And then you need to look at how am I going to use all of these other channels to make that number go up? The easiest way to make that go up is to have more buyers come to you, to your website and say, hey, I want to buy now and book a meeting with a sales rep. To then start focusing the LinkedIn ads and things like that to educate people so that they want to buy. The objective is not for them to fill out the form. The objective is so that they learn things so that they want to buy. And then from there, you're going to have to make some type of um, some type of baseline measurement on what is going to be the blended cost on of the advertising to get someone to fill out the demo. Other benchmarks that you can look at is how much pipeline are we going to create per advertising dollar that we spend? a reasonable benchmark that we work with companies to try and hit. And a lot of companies exceed that is 10 to one. So we produce $10 in qualified pipeline through our website for every dollar we spend on media. 
that pipeline is going to win at, a great, at least 25%, which creates a CAC payback, advertising CAC payback of less than four months. So those are some ways to look at it. But in lieu of the, if you don't have any historical data of trying this, I always rooted in how much pipeline did marketing create previous quarters and then just try and grow that number. Okay. Mike asked, how do you convince SaaS companies that haven't done qualitative research with their customers to get on board with Dark Social and collect qualitative insights from customers? So um, people know my, my stance on this. I don't try and convince anyone to do anything that they don't want to do. It's a losing game. It's just not, um, I'm at a place now where I just don't need to waste my time trying to tell people things that they don't want to hear. So. Um, the way that I help people, the way that I've helped people see this in the past is by collecting a few insights and then helping them see it for themselves. So that could be producing a survey, getting some type of qualitative signal and creating screenshots that are like leaving breadcrumbs for people about, hey, like these people are talking about us here. Our buyers are saying they like this stuff here or whatever. And then like, share that with them or help them find that. Um, so that would be the way that I would do it is bring the customer data to them. Okay, Evan asked, how do you align a demand gen content strategy in a global enterprise level organization with a very small corporate content team? Some regions may be open to the dark social idea while other region regional managers want the traditional white paper and gated content approach. Don't try and change this globally, change it in one market that people want to change in and just prove it out in any enterprise company. Changing this across the board will always fail. There's way too much organizational change behind it. It's just literally not worth it. So break it down into a, a, a region or a customer segment or something else where you can actually get stuff done and show results and show people how well this fucking works. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Mikhail asked, does it make sense for B2B companies to explore Web3 now? Notable consumer brands are moving there. Does it make sense for B2B companies to explore it now? It's hilarious because 99% of companies haven't even done Web2 well. Why are we talking about Web3 when what's, what's going on right now where there's very few companies that are doing LinkedIn, podcast, YouTube, and TikTok well? And this is the, this is the problem with B2B companies is that they reach for shiny stuff like web three or new tech, new technology or whatever. And they can't do the basic stuff, right. That's sitting right in front of them that works the best. And so before we start looking at the metaverse, why don't we think about, can we create LinkedIn content from our company page or from our CEO's page or from whoever's page that our buyers like every day? Could we put on an event once a week on zoom? that our buyers show up to. It's really that simple. I think that people need to stop looking for the shiny objects and start focusing on the things that are right in front of them that are obviously working. Could you talk a bit more about demand ops? I've heard you mention that a couple times in the past, but I don't think it's quite clear yet. What exactly you mean by that and what that means for yeah, and, demand and, marketers? Uh, who knows whether this is not the right term or not. We've been kind of like talking through it. Um, so we're not exactly sure what uh, what it's called at the moment, but the the thing that I'm seeing is that marketing ops or rev ops just gets a bunch of stuff thrown into it, 
and it's a mix of a bunch of things. And then we basically see some people are rising to the top working on strategy and a lot of people are just moving down working on the tactical stuff in ops. And I think that there's a divide that's necessary that focuses, that creates a sub-discipline that's only focused on the strategy. Planning, annual planning, quarterly planning, forecasting, performance analytics, attribution, insights, things like that. And then you have the whole other side where people are doing campaign ops, ad hoc reporting, all this other like, not manual, but all this other like kind of tactical work. Um, And I think over time we'll see a divide because really if you distill it down, there's they're putting two things together when there's a sub-segment of the stuff that's really valuable. I'll set with those. Is there anything you think would be valuable to add at this point, or do you want to wrap up? Let's uh, let's wrap up, everyone. This was uh, I'm not sure if we got to the full 20 questions, but this is 20 questions uh, with Refine Labs. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, happy holidays. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out this episode of the State of Demand Gen podcast. You know. It's crazy to think that now more than 15,000 demand marketers, sales reps, product marketers, field marketers, CMOs, and everything in between are listening to this podcast and getting a ton of value out of it. And so if you've been listening to the podcast and you've been getting value out of it, I would really, really, really appreciate if you could leave a rating in the podcast section. It would mean a lot to me. Thank you and see you for the next episode.